Book Five, Chapter Eight of Clara Vaughan, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Clara Vaughan, Volume Three by R. D. Blackmore. Book Five, Chapter Eight. It was a dark and gloomy room with three high, narrow windows cora departed hastily frightened at what she had done in a recess at the farther end before a chest of black bog oak sat the man i sought the crowning moment of my life was come all rehearsals went for nothing the strongest feeling of my heart was scorn cold unfathomable scorn to show myself well i took off my hat and advanced in my haughtiest manner as he turned his head i saw that his mood was blacker than the oak before him some dark memorials perhaps were there hastily and heavily he flung down the lid as i walked with even steps towards him ah miss valence the young lady that paints i feared that you were lost to london for nowadays the pursuit of the fine arts requires either genius or fashion at any rate the latter most to be at all remunerative may i show you the way to the drawing-room i have not often the honour of receiving visitors here but i think you know how entirely i am the slave of young ladies miss valence and he held out his delicate hand lepardo della croce my name is not valence i am clara vaughan the only child of him who in his sleep you murdered he turned not pale but livid his jaunty nonsense was gone in a moment he quailed from my dark eyes and fell upon a chair for one minute there he crouched and dared not meet my gaze every fibre of his flesh was quivering it was not shame that cowed him but the prostration of amazement suddenly he leaped upright and met me eye to eye when i saw that his pupils turned towards each other as my uncle had described i neither spoke nor allowed my gaze to falter every nerve and cord of my frame was tense and rigid and rooted to him i must have seemed like the embodiment of revenge at last he spoke very slowly and in words that trembled you have no right to judge me by your english notions you do not understand me i judge you not at all god shall judge and smite you in cold blood you murdered a man who never wronged you what he burst forth in a blaze of triumph no wrong to steal my lovely bride and my noble inheritance to debauch the purest blood of corsica by a prostitute wedding no wrong to strike me senseless even your nation of policemen would call this rather initiative the man you stole upon in his sleep had never seen or heard of you had never been in corsica what his teeth struck together like fire tongs badly jointed and he could not part them it is true i regret to inform you that you must go to hell for nothing you could not even murder the right man tell me like a coward as you are you crawled and lurked and lied you spent what little mind you have in securing a baby's blow you crouched among old clothes and bed ticks and behind the housemaid's flask and you went away exulting in your bloody soul over what the wrong man's murder can it be not only this but you enriched and brought into high position the man you meant to kill 
he became the lord of his half-brother's lands and now is wealthy and happy and the children you stole will help him to laugh at your vendetta wait a little cats and small dogs you can carve alive when a woman has strapped them down for you and the poor things are trying to lick you but as for midnight murder however sound your victims sleep you have not nerve enough you quake and quiver so that you know not a dark man from a fair clever don't you think particularly for a professor i saw that my contempt was curling round him like a knout so i gave him a little more of it of course we could not expect you to meet your foe like a man even were you a worthy sample of your sneaking race you never could do that too wholesome memory of the english blow between your quailing eyes i am pleased to see you fumbling clumsily for your dagger who knows but what you are fool enough even to have some self-respect a black tint darted beneath his skin as if his heart were a cuttlefish had i taken my eyes from him he would have stabbed me he fell back against the oak chest my madness grew with my triumph no you dare not do it because i am not asleep come i will give you every chance leopardo della croce if you are brave enough to shoot a white-haired man at dinner surely you have the courage to stab a young girl on the sofa here i lie i will not move and i defy you to do it quietly i lay and watched him but as if he were scarcely worth it he could not take his eyes from mine he was like a rat before a snake and all the while his hand was working on the cross-haft of a poniard what more can i do to encourage you would you like the curtain to skulk behind and i threw the window hangings over the foot of the sofa but so that i held him still in view calm as i was i must have been mad to play with my life so contemptuously presently i rose put back my hair and turned away as in weariness i fear your appetite is cloyed with the writhings of cats and dogs or has murder no relish for you unless it be in cold blood but there i am tired of you you have so little variety we will send you back to corsica and write rimbecco on you he sprang at me madly gnashing his teeth and whirling his stiletto i faced him just in time with both hands by my side had i raised them or shown the least sign of fear my life would have followed my father's then and there yes i said while he paused with the weapon not a yard from me a spirited attempt considering what you are but waste of time and trouble however i have hit the word which seems to suit your views allow me to repeat the agreeable term rimbecco i saw in his eyes the flash which shows the momentum given but his arm fell powerless he looked even humbly at me clara vaughan be kind enough to address me properly miss vaughan you must have some powerful reason for wishing to be rid of life he tried to look piercingly at me you are quite mistaken it is nothing more than contempt of an abject coward and murderer to you i will make no attempt to justify myself you could not understand me your ways of thought are wholly different i beg leave to hope so don't come near me if you please if i have injured you in ignorance i will do my best to make amends what course do you propose to let you go free in pity for your abject nature and cowardice we scorn you too much for anything else this seemed to amaze him more than all before it was plain that he could not believe me a long silence ensued 
looking at the wily wretch i began unwittingly to compare or rather to contrast his noble victim with him i thought of the deep affliction and misery wrought by his despicable revenge i thought of his brutal cruelty to the poor creatures god has given us and a rancor like his own began to move in my troubled heart it had been there all the while no doubt but a larger pressure had stilled it watching me intently he saw the change in my countenance and as cold disdain grew flushed with anger my power over him departed but he did not let me perceive it i am sure that i might have gone hither and when i pleased and he would have feared to follow me if only i had regarded him to the end with no other emotion than scorn am i to understand he said at last that you intend to do nothing to me it is not worth our while to hang you for such a crime any other punishment would be an outrage and a jest you slew a good and a gentle man one as brave as you are cowardly by the same blow you destroyed his wife who lingered for a few years pining till she died both of these were dear to god he will avenge them in his good time only one thing we shall insist on that you leave this country immediately and under a solemn oath never to return to it one good point you have i am told fidelity to your word and if i refuse what then then you die a murderer's death we have evidence you little dream of he had now recovered his presence of mind and his scoffing manner and all his plan was formed what a brave young lady you are to come here all alone and entertaining so low an opinion of the poor professor the very reason why i scorned precautions a deep gleam shot through the darkness of his eyes you must indeed despise me to come here without telling any one of course but i did not mean to come till my father's spirit led me with a shudder he glanced all around the room lily was not mistaken when she called him superstitious then he tried to sneer it off and did the good papa dear to god undertake to escort you back seeing that i disdained to answer he continued thus you have displayed much graceful and high becoming scorn i in turn will exhibit some little contempt of you you were pleased to say if my memory serves me that you had some wonderful evidence i will furnish you with more and perhaps what you little dream of approach and examine this box he raised the lid of the oaken chest and propped it with a staple quite thrown off my guard for the moment i began to devour the contents with my eyes not many things were in it but all of them were remarkable to me they looked like theatrical properties or materials for disguise some of them were faded and tarnished some were set with a silver cross my gaze was riveted on a pair of boots fixed in a ledge with horseshoe bays on the sole of one i perceived a cross of metal inlaid i drew nearer to see it more closely when something fell over my head all down me and round me and twisted behind in a tight tourniquet before i could guess what it was i am not weak for a girl but i could no more lift my arms than a swathed mummy can neither could i kick although as a child i had been famous for that accomplishment if i lifted either foot i must tumble head foremost into the box which was large enough for me to live in scream i could and did in spite of all my valor not only from fright but from pain for my chest was dreadfully tightened but before i could scream more than twice a cloth was passed over my mouth and knotted behind my neck so there i stood a helpless prisoner in the recess at the end of the oaken ark a low laugh thrilled in my ears 
but the hand on my spine relaxed not i turned my neck by a violent effort and met the demon's eyes very pretty you look young lady very pretty indeed i must have a kiss before i have done with you in spite of all indignation there is a dress resembling this among the tartan tribes did i hurt your proud straight nose if so accept most humble apologies i would not injure it for the world it does express so much scorn take care my child your eyelashes are coming through the worsted yes ignoble confession i for whose disdain the world had been too small was prisoned and helpless in an anti-macassar like a fly in a paper cage-trap the sofa on which i had lain so grandly defying my enemy was covered with a stout worsted net long and very strong this he had doubled end to end and flung over my haughty head i have not patience to recount his paltry bantering jeers contempt is a tool i am used to grasp by the handle only be it enough to say that without releasing me he rang the bell for cora whose greedy eyes glistened when she saw my gordit loose from my bosom and tangled in the net her master allowed her to disengage and for the time at least appropriate it in return for this she was at his pleasure to stab me if he should order it by his directions she tied my ankles together while he lashed my arms anew and tightened the muffler over my bleeding lips i closed my eyes and prayed then i made up my mind to die as many a vaughn had done at the hands of a brutal enemy my last thought was of conrad and then my senses forsook me End of book five chapter eight